Hello, hello, soul fam. Welcome to today's new episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I am your host, shaman, and author of the best-selling book, Animal Power, Allison Charles. And today, I can honestly say I cannot recall the last time I was this excited for an interview. This is a true statement, fam. There is just something that feels so important about the content we're about to cover and something that feels so immediately resonant personally for my soul. We are joined by Rena Trevi. For 10 years, Rena has traveled the world in pursuit of a deep understanding and practice of Eastern spirituality, immersing herself in tantric, erotic, and spiritual expressions. Her intrepid exploration of consciousness and freedom began with her 20-year-long experience as an extreme athlete, skydiver, base jumper, shark diver, and free diver. But for over a decade now, she's been a full-time dom. That stands for dominatrix, also death doula, and sexological body worker, helping hundreds of men and women get in touch with their deeper selves through deep practices of surrender and vulnerability. Rena runs in-person and online retreats, workshops, coaching, and training, guiding her clients through shedding the layers of protective armors and defense mechanisms so they can truly step into their power. I'll share during our interview how Rena and I met, all the many whys I knew I needed to have her here on Ceremony Circle, and along with that, Based upon the bio I just read about her, you have probably gathered that Rena and I cover a lot. It's pretty much all mature and sexual, sensual, sensitive territory on today's show. Everything from what is kink, what does BDSM stand for, how she went from being a data analyst with a master's degree working in an office to a dominatrix working in the darkest dungeons of New York City, what the ancient art of shibari is and why it's her shamanic shibari suspension experience that is her current most passionate practice that she does for herself and many others, how erotic humiliation can be healthy, what power exchange explorations are, how we can get to the subconscious roots of our fantasies and release shame from them, And as if that is not enough sacred sexuality education for you, we also dive deep into sexological bodywork, specifically yoni massage. What yoni massages are, how she does them, and some of the infinite benefits of leaning into this therapeutic healing practice. So I want to say this again, I was beyond excited to have this conversation and learn so much from Rena. And I also want to say again, And knowing what we cover today, make your own sovereign conscious decision if you can voyage with us. This is definitely mature content. However, it is all held in a most sacred and reverent container and all the content is spoken of from that place as well. So here we go, soul fam. It is truly my honor to share with you today a very brave and beautiful soul who shares with us the link between kink and spirituality. Meet Rena Trevi. Okay, Rena. Oh my gosh. I have to be honest with you, sister. In my career, I was just sharing with you that I used to work in radio and I used to work in television. I've probably done thousands of interviews and I want to be honest, it has been 
a very, very, very long time since I have been this excited for an interview. Thank you so much for being here. Likewise, very honored to be asked by you because I'm so curious. What is your curiosity like? Oh, my goodness, my curiosity. Okay, so back a little bit of a backstory for the Soul Fam who's joining us and listening. I met Rena, I don't know, probably a couple months ago. We were both at a photo shoot location with some mutual friends and you know, we were all just there just getting new photos for our website and mine was for my book launch. And so I met Rena and I heard a little bit about what she did and there was just an instant resonance. And I also really appreciated, I could just tell you're a teacher who's really embodied and is so devoted to your calling and what you're guided and led to share with the world. So I remember I made intuitively an instant note that I wanted to have you on Ceremony Circle for so many different reasons. Some what I just described and also because for what you do. So let me share a little bit on your website. And when I was doing some research, I understand that the title that, and it's so hard when we're spiritual teachers, like titles that feel like they encompass the totality of who we are. It's pretty much impossible, but vulnerability coach is the overall title. But within that, you have also been and also are a sexological body worker, an author, a BDSM coach, a world traveler. You have a background in skydiving, base jumping, free diving. You're a student of ancient traditions and an intrepid explorer of consciousness. And especially when it comes to and this is from a website of yours that I saw and I love this title, the link between kink and spirituality, because I haven't covered the worlds of sensuality and sexuality and the types of practices that you devote to and gain mastery over. It's all new territory for me. Mm. It's all very new, but it resonates. And there's something in me that feels a really deep need to learn from you and to learn about what you do. So I would love to start the practice of, and I don't know if I even pronounce this correct, Shibari. Shibari, yes. Can we start there and you mm. explaining what Shibari is? And this is my favorite now. Thank you for asking because it's my current, most current passion. Uh, it's a Japanese art of time. It's a rope bondage and it's not rope bondage for the sake of the end result where someone is tied up. It's for the sake of the process itself. Shibari has an interesting history. It started in the ancient days of Japan where it was used as an as a way of torturing some high-ranking officials. And it wasn't torture as far as physical torture. It was done in a way that it provokes shame. So it's, a, it's about tying someone up publicly in a way that they feel ashamed of themselves because they're helpless and they're exposed. So and that there's was, nothing that they can do. They don't exactly. have control. Exactly. They have no control. They're being looked at. They're exposed and helpless. And they are the ones who are high-ranking officials. So that was an interesting way of torturing people, not so much physically, but emotionally. And yet maybe many of us know uh, about Brenna Brown, who speaks about vulnerability as shame as a route to connection, to intimacy, to vulnerability, belonging, creativity. 
So it's a really interesting thing that shame can be used as a torture, but shame can be also used as a way we access our creative flow and we can connect to one another. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's so much to unpack even with this because the other thing I got the sense of from you that I really appreciated is you seem to have an incredibly strong capability of holding impeccably safe space. I feel like for the people that come to you to work with you, you have a depth and you're super powerful, but you know how to hold the field and hold the space in a sense of where the person can feel safe to go wherever they need to go to let whatever comes up that needs to come up. And so when you're explaining that Shibari originated in a form of torture, yet I get the sense, I know that you have a deep shamanic and spiritual weaving inside of you. And the way that you do this practice seems to bring a lot of healing for people. Can you just break that down a little bit? Yes, very good point. It did come from a pretty dark place. And right now, actually, we are looking to expose and explore vulnerability as shame as a tool to connect to one another and to ourselves to heal, to have a sense of intimacy and belonging. And this is my purpose here. I'm actually using different challenging places within us, like exposing certain places where we feel emotional, where we feel trapped, where we feel stuck and lost and confused. And I'm using it to actually bring a holistic experience of healing. So basically I'm bringing this darker places to the light. Mm. And my ability to hold space is something that I'm using as a container for exploring our challenging places. Mm. So rope is used as an extension of my container and Together, we are creating this opportunity to release certain places where we feel trapped and to look at certain places where we don't look otherwise. We all have those places where we just don't want to see. We just feel it in us. We feel some tension. We feel some fear. And as soon as we feel it, we do something else. We don't want to feel it. And it's normal because we want to distract ourselves from negative and focus on something positive. It's a smart modern strategy. And yet Shivari is all about bringing all of this to light. So we want to take those challenging places within ourselves and actually embrace them mm. and embrace them in the light of healing and the light of love and light of compassion. So I'm, I'm there to create the container and not only just doing it myself, but also teach my clients how to do it for themselves because mm. rope is also a metaphor for something they can do it to themselves as how to create the safe container for yourself when I'm not available and rope is not available. Wow. Because me and rope are tools that are helpful. I also don't want my clients to rely on them too. Yes. So that's already the next step is how not to rely. First step is just to explore what does it feel like when you have those tools that can help you access certain places in you that you cannot access otherwise. And then second step is to learn how is it actually possible to do it otherwise without my help, without help of ropes, because it's ropes and me is not everything. You can all do it on yourself. You have a capacity to hold the space for yourself. I'm so glad you brought that piece in for the regular listeners. You know, I talk a lot about, yeah, exactly what you're bringing up. And I operate from the same way. I never want any of my students or clients to become dependent on me. I'm all about putting the self-empowerment continuously back mm-hmm. on on them so that their forced is a strong 
word, but required to dip back into those places within themselves to get back into that circuitry of remembering and learning like, oh, wow, I am my greatest tool. I am my greatest teacher. And the ancient wisdom, it's just needing to be unlocked from within me and, and getting into more of that flow instead of seeking outwardly, externally outside of themselves for the support, for the answers, for the guidance. So yes, another reason why I was like definitely wanting to have you on. So can you paint a picture? Because I just, again, because all of this is so new and I'll, and I'll be honest, you know, I know you're a busy woman and you're traveling continuously offering all sorts of workshops and events and, and exhibitions and all of these things. But I really feel like at some point I would be so honored and would love to be able Mm -hmm. to work with you in some capacity. I just know there's something in here for me. I know there's, I can feel it's so clear. There's something inside of me that like come pulses and comes very alive. And I know there's a big nugget of unlocking for me in what you do. So I just wanted to be honest and speak that out loud and plant that seed. But can you paint a little bit more of a picture, like an example I imagine it's all sorts of people that come to you, right? It's all across the board. It's all colors, all ages, women, men. Is there usually a reason behind someone reaching out? Is someone usually looking for healing or is it curiosity? Why do people mostly come to you? Yeah, it's a good question. Everyone has their own way to explain why. Some are more clear, like I have exactly this that I want to work on. And some have just, I just feel it. I just feel there is something there for me. I want to just experience. It's hard for me to put it into words. So it's really different people uh, that have different way of describing. It's what I'm offering is something very artistic, something very unique and spiritual, intuitive. So it takes this kind of person usually to come to see me for a journey. It's people who have some kind of connection to their own flow, intuition, to their like desire to go deeper into themselves because there is no like 100% practical like guideline I can say you come to me like this and you get exactly this yeah it's not that (laughs) yeah because I even put I forget where this uh, description was maybe it was on your website but it said shamanic shibari suspension experience in it I mean the word shamanic is in the description and to me that explains that you go on a journey of of discovery and of evolution and of transcendence. I mean, of course, it's infinite in terms of what's possible to unlock in the work with you. But can you explain like just one example? If someone comes to you, do you go to their house or do they come to you? And I would imagine you have a conversation first, like what leads up to the actual experience of you tying them up with the rope yes first they find me online and read my material i have different uh, descriptions of my journey i have different documents where they can read more about risks involved as well because it's also not the safest thing in the world there are certain risks that are possible so i want people to be aware of them that it's really for radical souls who are really looking for this experience and just feel they need it and after they read like my descriptions like testimonials and understand what's possible then we have a conversation and i ask about their intention what what is your soul calling what is your polar star of this 
what are you looking for? And a very common one is give up control and learn to trust. Mm. And that's a very common one. And it's trusting yourself and me, not just trusting me, but trusting themselves. That's why I like to call this experience empowered surrender. So it's not only about them giving their power away to me. They are also trusting themselves to choose this experience and not only choose once, but choose it throughout the journey. So they can, because they can always stop it if they want. Ah. So I like the idea that they know that they are in charge anyway because they can call it a quit or they can continue going and they go for it only because they choose to surrender. So we have the conversation discussing those subtleties and those possibilities where the journey can go, how we're going to deal with this situation, that situation. And of course, intention is very important. It's really, I want to feel that they have a good intention. That's very sincere one, that it's really a strong calling because the intention will guide my flow. It's mm. really important that I can not only intellectually hear their intention, but I also want to connect that this is exactly the truth for them. Even for some people, it's fine inspiration. It's the journey where they find some sense of inspiration if they feel somewhere lost or trapped in life. Mm -hmm. So this kind of reconnects them to a sense of inspiration mm -hmm. and their creativity and their desire and motivation to live and to create and love and all the beauty that we want in life. So mm -hmm. it can be that. It can be a bit more precise. Um description of what they're looking for like trust the feminine for example I was mm. I had a really amazing man who said like I'm hyper vigilant I came from a military background I had a hard time I have a hard time trusting I have a hard time trusting women letting someone guide me and lead me it's really hard I would like to explore that mm. so like some people have more precise intention but it's really important for me to hear that and after after we set it up and we are scheduling the time with me and I usually it's in my studio so I have a studio at home I also have a studio which is available in a retreat center near Austin it's a really beautiful place if for someone who is traveling to Austin or someone who wants to take a couple of days off for that and have a time and space for themselves in retreat setting then it's really great opportunity for them but I need to have really nice studio for that yeah uh, I prefer to have a suspension point where we can have a 3d experience not just down on the floor but I some people benefit from being suspended yeah I think I saw in some of your pictures which everything I found online is like so well done your videos and, and the imagery and things and it was like a pyramid looking exactly that's the one that's right near Austin it's 40 minutes away from southern Austin which is so convenient and it's really secluded it's really beautiful and that, that's exactly what I love to have on um, my sessions because it gives a really sense of escaping from the world and being mm. in a very special sacred container. Huh. And so, okay. So now we're to the example of this suspension system, this pyramid structure. And I know that we're skipping over a lot of details, but like, again, just because I can't imagine I'm the only one that's new to this. I want to be able to paint some of the picture for people so that if it starts to speak to them, they can lean in. So at this point, you've tuned into the energetics, the intention, the person is clear, the, the person has arrived to your studio or this retreat location. I'm sure there are things that you do ritualistically before to just like get the person into 
a, a space of feeling safe and surrendering layer one and two, perhaps. Is there anything, yeah, I guess that you do when they're actually with you before you get to the place where you are doing the knots and tying them up and suspending them? Like, is there a pre-ritual that you do? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's a tea ceremony. Oh, I love tea ceremonies. Yes, I love it too. I spend a lot of time in Asia. A lot of my inspiration skills are coming from Thailand. Mm. And this is where I felt inspired to connect to tea ceremony because it's a really beautiful setting of little teacups and <laughs> making tea and having good quality tea and pouring it in little cups and then smelling it, sipping it, it really allows us to get more present because if you have a giant jar of tea, then you're obviously like just drinking without noticing it. But then if you have a little cup and we pour it, it's everything done in a very like intentional and delicate way, you're already starting to feel the sensations on your fingers, you start to smell it, you start to really taste that every cup is different. Mm -hmm. When you have tea ceremony, you pour an next cup and it's already tastes differently. So it's important to slow down enough so you can notice the subtleties of that. Mm -hmm. And that helps us to come to more grounded present moments because mm -hmm. a lot of people go from work environment, family, stress. We want to have an opportunity to slow down before the journey. And that already starts to prepare the foundation for the journey. I love that. Tea ceremonies are so powerful. And I love practices that are so surprising in that way. Like my other friend is a master flower alchemist and she makes these like flower elixirs and they're beautifully packaged and they're made from flowers, but they're so potent and powerful. And I think of the similar way with tea ceremonies. One of my dear friends, Shiva Rose is a tea ceremonialist and, and facilitator and guide. And I have had some of the most profound and powerful connections to my own soul, connections to great spirit, great mother earth through sipping the tea and with the space that she holds. And so I love the idea before you go into being suspended and tied up by you, that you're like having this delicate, like this really beautiful, delicate ritual before. I just, I love the mixture of mm. things. And then, yeah, when you get to the place where you are using the rope. I would imagine this is where you tap into your artistic, creative abilities. I would imagine there's never two shibari ties that are the same as exactly. Okay. You understand it so well. And you say that you don't know much about it. You're really guessing every stage in the way. So right. <laughs> I must be very ready. I've been tuning in. Yeah. Well, there is a lot of similarity between uh, rope journeys to psychedelic experiences, for example. So I can see why, how we can predict there are certain stages there that are similar. So yes, there is some similarity in how we are setting intention, preparing the set and setting. The space has to be really perfect. I want to take care of how things smell, how things look, how things sound. I want to have a really beautiful container for this um, where we all feel safe and comfortable. Music sounds for me are really important. Mm -hmm. They really guide my journey. So once we start, uh, we want to start really slowly because slowing down and breathing together really helps to tuning into my intuitive power. And it's really interesting for me. What happens is that I have two parts of me functioning in unison. One is the more like they call it right hemisphere or more masculine part, which is really in charge of like technicalities, timing, space issues, safety, like all those like very serious, important things that are happening in, like, inside this journey, something that is very 
precise, defined, technical, and it's something that you can calculate well. So there is a part of my brain that calculates all like safety issues, knots and technicalities, all this. But then the other one is really flowing. It's just trusting the intuition, breathing, and just really in the zone and in the flow. And the intention is what guides my flow because I sense the energy of the intention and then intention takes us to different realms. It can take us to something heavy and challenging, overcoming some difficulties inside and can also take us to a very sweet, beautiful, delicious, relaxing place. And often there are waves throughout the journey. Mm. Sometimes you start from like very light and love and someone relaxes and then, okay, now we're ready to look into some challenging places. Let's go there. And then we go to challenging places. So yeah, this is my inner dance of intuition and precision when it comes to making knots because it's also a very radical practice as I describe. I have to be really precise about the technical side of it, like how I tie someone up. Sometimes people hang upside down if they're ready for this. So it has to be done in a way that is safe. And then I have to keep that side of mine in check that the one that is taking charge of safety, taking charge of someone's body, taking charge of time and space mm. situations. Wow, I'm starting to see why you're able to do this particular practice with such mastery because we haven't touched on it yet, but I do want to get to the fact that you have also for many years been a very well-known and respected dominatrix. So you've got that dominating side that, yeah, like knows in certain scenarios how to be the one completely in charge, doing the demanding, doing the instructing. And I've not ever been an essential or sexual or intimate experience where I've specifically been in that type of scenario. So I'm totally just guessing, like I'm just kind of visualizing you there, but like you're in charge. And so you've got, you've developed that strength and that ability for so many years of being a dominatrix. But then, yeah, you also have this shamanic and deeply in tune and weaving spiritual ability. And so, yeah, I'm starting to understand now in Shibari, it really is the balance and fluidity of both of those components of the shamanic and of the dominatrix. So, wow. Okay. I'm getting it more and more. So this is great. I think my last question, just in painting the picture, as you're working with someone, are you tying certain body parts and certain knots and then taking a break and then going to the next round of tying more body parts and lifting them up higher? Or are you doing most of the tying and suspension at once and then letting the journey take place? Mm, it's flowing from one to another. So there is never like a cut or a break in this. It's always going from one body part to another, one position to another. So the person is in constant flow and constant journey. Like one moment they feel have this side of the body tied up and then it goes to this one, but then this one gets retied in a different way. Okay. And then this one gets connected, then the suspension comes, then it's only wow. from chest harness, but then the hip harness adds and then legs add. And then only when this one gets tired, because I know person cannot be in one position for too long, it's uncomfortable. So it's good to have level of discomfort for a bit, but not for too long. Then it starts to get a bit 
bad kind of discomfort and then like more possibilities of rope marks and rope burns. So we don't want that. So that's why I'm shifting to a different body part wow. and then different and different. So that's a three hour journey where we're constantly shifting position. We're going up to suspension. We're going down. We try different suspension. We go this and it's constantly listening to their body language because for someone having just two hands tied, it's already a lot. So mm. then we don't want to go into suspension if someone is already having a deep experience just by having two hands tied. We want to stay, keep it simple. And for other per- for another person, it's actually really beneficial to go really wild, to be suspended upside down. That's exactly when they surrender to the deepest they feel the most. They really want to experience that. And they can change. Maybe for first hour, they want to go deep and wild, but then they need to really slow down and feel something very soft and subtle mm-hmm. where from external perspective, maybe nothing even happens. They are just laying still and I'm just putting feather on their body. It's like nothing really happens, but then they feel so much because in the, they're having their own journey so that's the beauty of the experience because there is no way to plan how it's going to be like it's right. constantly adjusted according to the flow of this current present situation mm-hmm. and i've also seen in some of your pictures you've got like healing sound bowls and yeah, additional tools right and it's a good to also invite different senses into um, the experience because the sounds are really powerful for many people i'm the person who can really go deep with sound and especially if the ropes involve if there is a sense of giving up control and mind goes on holiday, you don't rationalize, you don't think anymore. And then the sounds can take you on the mm. journey on its own. I mm. really love to play with beautiful sounds, but also the smells. I like to have some smells around like the, the different incense and Palo Santo. They really become so much stronger once you're in ropes. And then finally, the sensations on the body like pinwheel is the what the physical therapy doctors use on your body to make sure that you have sensitivity in different body parts. Well, here we use the same one, but it becomes really magnified in your like in your perception at the moment because of the sense of helplessness that pinwheel can really feel like something really big and like dangerous, scary, can really provoke a lot. Mm. And then feather can feel like the most tender thing, the most sweet and loving thing on earth. You just feel such a strong amplification of those sensations they can take you on such a journey just the feather itself and while you're in ropes can really have so many associations and memories you can feel like oh i'm, I'm embraced by my mother love mm. or pinwheel can actually think like i'm being just cut open and then i can play with both of them oh, and then wow. goes one and then goes the other and then goes one. Oh my goodness and then your mind is now is already getting exhausted of <laughs> analyzing this duality like it's too good or it's too bad yeah. It's too good. At some point, your even this judgment already gives up, and then you just feel like it's just a lot of interesting sensations without any judgment whatsoever. And there is a sense of total surrender, embracing like different possibilities of experiencing life. Gosh, I I just, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful to be able to tune in and gain some visuals as you're explaining. And yeah, I just want to touch on something that's kind of bubbling up for me to speak to. I don't have crystal clarity yet, like on why I feel drawn to, and you do so many different types of facilitation and work. It's like, I don't even feel totally clear on like of all your offerings, like, oh, it's this one. You know, I just think there's so many possibilities, but you know, I just think the work you do is so impactful and so important and powerful because just like with 
shamanism, like the things that you teach and facilitate, they're not taught ever at all. And so it's like, unless you listen to a Ceremony Circle podcast and Rena's the guest, like this whole world that you open people up to just remains this like hidden, unknown world. Yet I feel like it holds some of the most important pieces for humans to be able to access and experience while here on earth. Because for me, and I know there's so many people included in what I'm about to say, so many humans have a history and a past of like, just not healthy, sexual, sensual, intimate experiences. There's so many humans walking this earth that come from disjointed, disassociated, traumatic, wounded past when it comes to being in relation with someone in a sexual and intimate way. And then what's behind that occurring is so much healing to explore. And I know for me, thankfully now through my devotion to shamanism and healing myself, I'm now in this incredibly sacred, beautiful partnership with he facilitated, he was the moderator for the panel you were on at um, Paleo FX. Luke's story is my husband. Uh-huh. Yeah. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> So he's my husband and yeah, he moderated a panel that Rena was on a few uh, months ago at a conference or a few weeks ago. But so now I'm in this beautiful container where I feel safe to open up these parts of me that previously never Mm -hmm. felt safe to before because in all of my past relationships and look, they provided their own medicine and purpose, but they were all very unsafe containers. And I've shared before on my show that with an ex that I was with for many years, I kept my eyes closed every time we were sexually intimate. I was too afraid to look. There was too much dysfunction and I was in denial about everything. And so I know for me, here I am at 43 and I'm just now at a place in my life for the first time where I'm like, wait a second, there is so much to learn in safe intimacy and safe vulnerability, specifically in the portal of sex and sensuality that I have never felt okay to enter into Mm. until now. Wow. I can so relate and thank you for sharing. It's beautiful to know that this is possible. And I feel like it's great that we are sharing it with your audience because um, a lot of people sometimes feel so pessimistic that they come from a really like dark background, challenging upbringing where they were repressed sexually, where they were taught not to trust anyone and that vulnerability is not safe. It's a negative thing, actually. A lot of us perceive vulnerability as something that is actually negative. And uh, in my background is also really challenging. I grew up in post-Soviet Russia and sexually I was very repressed. I had a lot of sexual energy, but I was just crushed very early because it was just considered to be so negative to have desires and fantasies and you just had to hide it entirely and just pretend it's not there at all. You just, you know, have to get married and that's the only purpose you have as a woman. And then trusting someone was also not encouraged because people are not trustworthy. We all have negative motives. We don't want to trust one another. So because of that upbringing, my 20s were really adventurous as far as like 
trying to understand what does this all mean? Is this true or not? So thank God I isolated myself from that environment. And yet it was quite a path, quite a challenge to start finding my own definitions to that. Mm. What is my healthy sexuality? What is intimacy? What is safe container? Can I really trust someone in? I had a really long path to come to where I am right now because starting as a dominatrix, it wasn't such a beautiful container either. It was really like shady New York City dungeons. It was really not nice place to be. We didn't have much philosophy, psychology and soul in it. There was none of that either. It was more like fantasy satisfaction on a very superficial level. Mm. Like, And that was a really long path, which took me through a lot of bumpy places, a lot of challenges to finally, just like you described, to start coming right now at my age of 35, I'm starting to finally see, yes, it's beautiful to trust. Yes, it's beautiful to open up in a safe container. Yes, like my fantasies, my desires, my explorations, my sexuality, my femininity has a lot of beauty there. And it's really incredible to rejoice in it, to follow, not only dig into the painful places, but also follow the path of pleasure, which brings me to the topic of tantric massages, which I was really lucky to learn back in Thailand. While I was working as a dom, I had a great benefit of traveling every winter and I would go to Thailand and that's where I was a part of Tantric Yoga School where they started to share about sexuality for women specifically, yes, like how... What is really down there? What is going on there? That's a really obvious question. But because we were so repressed, like I was just cut off from myself down there. I was not aware that I can have pleasure there. Like sexuality had a whole lot of stories on top of stories, but not direct connection to the body. So I had no idea that I'm even capable of pleasure down there until I started to learn it in a whole different setting, in a whole different school where things were so open, so normalized. Then we started to learn that, hey, we are women, we're capable of deep pleasure and intimacy through our sexuality and that we're capable of that many orgasms. And I was just mesmerized initially, Mm. like, how is it really possible? what does it really take like I was used to very like superficial sexuality well I'm being penetrated for 10 minutes and that's it what is there so special like nobody explained this to me and I'm so surprised like until these days like why is this still not a mainstream knowledge why as teenagers we don't learn those things that what is our yoni is like what is she made of what does she feel like where is what are the spots there like there is cervix there there is g-spot there there is k-spot there there are walls and they all have certain pressure points and they all mean this. What does this mean? What kind of energies are flowing through it? What is the way to actually achieve pleasure through touch there? What kind of touch do we want? And then because we don't know, we start expecting our partners, men, that they should know. They should know how to touch us. They should know how to please us. Well, guess what? They also don't know because they only watch pornography when they grow up and they have no education on how to approach a woman. Yes. And then nobody knows what to do with one another. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so glad we got into this orb of the conversation because... Yeah, those beginning bubbles of like, you need to speak to this. It's because of all I said and all you said. It's like when you start to really lean into it, it feels insane. It feels so maddening to me. And of course it makes sense. Like, and look, I'm not trying to go down some conspiracy rabbit hole, but like, 
there are certain systems set up around the world, whether it's the education system or whatever, where they don't really want us to understand our spiritual gifts and our, and I mean, everything we're talking about, it's like the epicenter of our divinity and of our most potent divine power lives in our womb and lives in these organs and spaces in our physical vessel that you're now leading us into. And so, yeah, it's a shame. And yeah, I think some systems are set up purposefully that way so that we don't explore and we don't understand how magnificent and powerful and divine that we are, which is a huge reason why I wanted to have this conversation because I want to be a part of bringing it out into the open and not making it, this isn't weird stuff. This is just beautiful human divine exploration, evolutionary stuff. I don't think these should be like strange conversations to be having. So since you started to take us into, it was on my list. I also definitely wanted to talk with you about the sexological body worker slash Yoni massage. Can you explain? Cause again, I would venture to guess, even though my community is, you know, a lot of people are very deep on the spiritual path. Like I still think there's probably a lot of folks that have never had a Yoni massage and you facilitate this. Yes. I was really lucky to first experience it myself in my early twenties in Thailand in the part, as part of this tantric yoga school, and I was it was mind blowing. Initially, I was as I was touched down there by a facilitator by a woman. I all I felt is numbness, pain, and shame. And then I started to finally feel more messages that all my sexual repression, all the times that I just couldn't say no at the right time or didn't know what's happening. Like I just repressed a lot of like limiting beliefs and emotions. And once I started to free myself from it through a very careful massage of those pleasure and pressure spots inside my vagina, that's when I started to really experience pleasure for the first time. And that's when I started to become orgasmic right inside of me, not just on the superficial level, not just externally, but inside. Right. And that started to change my sexuality so much because my uh, boyfriend at that time, he went to a similar practice called Linga Massage because there is a massage for men also. And by the way, I do this as well, but I also really careful about advertising it in the open. I only do it to select men who are on the same page who understand that this is an energetic healing experience. It's not a happy ending massage at all. But there is also similar practice for men. And for men, it's a lot. It's also about trauma healing and release, but it's also about separating ejaculation from orgasm. Yes. So men can receive pleasure without waiting for that moment, without needing to have that moment. Right. And that really changes the sexual interaction because it brings us to present moment. There is no goal mm. because for a lot of men, when they don't look into that, they just assume that it's all about just trying to get to that final destination. And then they feel like they conquered it, they won it, they got it. But it's uh, only one layer and it's pretty superficial because there is a lot more depth to it. And men can experience multiple orgasms. Men can have really powerful spiritual awakening during sexuality. There is a possibility of merging together to such a depth that they just didn't know about before. Mm. So this is also part of tantric education for men when they can understand the energy flow in their body during sexual experience. And this really changes their relationship to their orgasmic um, expectations. They have a lot more that they can 
look forward to, not just one way of enjoying themselves. Yes. And for women, it's a lot about bringing pleasure deeper to understand that they are actually capable of having cervical orgasm, which is the queen of all orgasms. That is the one that really connects us to divine love and divine light. And if both partners are on the same path, their sexual experience is their spiritual teacher. Mm. They can really go deep into this and their connection is not really based on greed because a lot of mm. times relationships are generally based on fear of loneliness and greed like get from one another like this partner should give me this pleasure this woman should have sex with me that much but it's amazing when you can free yourself from that and have yeah a, and that's mm. the exact I, I, mm-hmm. I want you to hold exactly yeah. where you are but that's that exact piece I was talking about of like what's behind what leads to when you're in a sexual relationship with someone that's dis- associated and dysfunctional like all that stuff that's behind it, like there are some of those, yeah. some of the things that you just described, like that's why this is such a magnificent healing portal. Like just leaning into one of your offerings can heal and unlock worlds for people. And so when someone comes to you for a yoni massage, like you are actually, I mean, you're a trained facilitator at this. And again, I can tell you hold such safe space. Like you're actually using your fingers and your hand and you're, again, I'm sure being intuitively guided and listening to the person in their body, but you're entering into the vagina and massaging and allowing, I would guess, because I've never had this done, but I feel like I want to, like you're allowing the person to learn perhaps for the very first time yeah, what all the different areas within their vagina, within themselves feel like and having a deeper understanding of like, oh, on that left side, when you get like four inches up, like, wow, that's actually my favorite spot. And I didn't even know that existed. Mm -hmm. Or when you hit this area, that's actually super tender. And I feel like there's some healing. There's Mm -hmm. like something stored there that needs to be released. Wow. You haven't done it and you know, (laughs) (laughs) I can tune into things, but yes, you tune in really beautifully. Like it's, I really feel like some, there is a lot of similarities between shibari and yoni massage although on a visually it might look really different but energetically it feels quite similar uh-huh. uh, yoni massage is definitely a softer more gentle kind of way more like shibari tends to have this really radical element where a lot of people meet their life and death kind of mm. experience while yoni massage tends tends to be more soft like a goddess worship experience where a woman feels that she's loved she's nourished she's worshipped so we create this really safe container for a woman to relax that's why it's a three-hour practice because I want to make sure she has a chance to relax everywhere. We start from periphery, we start from hands, we start from toes, we start slowly relaxing mm. all limbs, the head and shoulders, and then slowly building to the center. In a tantric tradition, uh, they call that there is a feminine and masculine ways of arousal. Uh, masculine is the classic one everyone knows about. It's like you get passionate magnetism. It's usually in the center of your body that, and then you desire your partner and then it starts to spread all over uh-huh. like your periphery. While feminine is all about relaxation and surrender, and it starts from periphery, starts a little further away from the center, and then slowly you relax your limbs, you relax your chest, belly, and then finally your yoni relaxes really deeply. So this is the type of arousal that I'm cultivating during yoni massage because we obviously don't have any magnetism, like it's 
actually best not to have already a build up kind of like passionate connection because mm. it's actually really healthy when I'm a facilitator, I'm a guide. And this way I guide a woman to really melt in her own juices. So it's not really about me as a person. It's actually right. I'm guiding her to relax to herself. So some women have concerns that like it's another person. Am I getting intimate with her? Well, I want to hold the space for her to get intimate with herself. Mm. And this is the experience of her surrendering to herself, to her body, to her feelings. And then only once there is a full body relaxation and we work through some pressure points around like belly. I also want to relax all pelvic floor areas through different pressure points and through different massage wow and only then i will ask like how is your yoni feeling is she feeling that she wants to experience this today which is also an important part of consent for a woman because so many women think once the foreplay started you cannot stop it you just have to do it mm. you never have to do it you always have a chance to say this is not the right time for me so i want to make sure that she has a clean and clear yes for this experience really asking her because she signed up for this and now she has to do it but actually because her yoni says yes i yes. want to do it and only then we're going to her yoni which is already hour and a half through the experience so that gives her a lot of chance to relax and really decide how she feels about it and then wow. we start massaging the walls and I, as I massage I explain the map so she has an idea where things are yes so many idea, women have no idea and they might have idea but more like anatomical map somewhere else but how does it really feel in your body like how does it feel when your cervix is getting massaged how does it feel when your case spot is being massaged how does it feel when this wall what is a case spot? Uh, case uh, for kundalini oh. it's actually the root chakra it's oh. right at perineum so it's entering the yoni towards perineum got it and that's the earth elements and that one is really important to massage because it provides stability clarity relaxation and it's also an orgasmic spot it wow. actually has a lot of potential for beautiful orgasms so this is one of the spots that we explore and for women it's really amazing to know oh well, this is this part of my body feels like this and then this part of my yoni feels feels like this. Mm. So it's like intimacy to yourself to know that this part actually feels like it needs some healing because I feel provoked and irritated here. Mm. And this one feels like it's an opening. So we are balancing between pain and pleasure because wow. we don't want her to be really overwhelmed that everything feels painful. And yet we don't want to have this kind of greed mentality, give me more pleasure. Right. We are going right in between in the zone, like not too much pain, not too much pleasure. And yet there is a possibility of extremes. Some women are just naturally open and everywhere I touch they're just flying full they're just on all full of like yeah. all spectrum orgasms some of us are lucky or some of us have worked through themselves already and that's possible it wow. happens and yet for some it's the opposite anywhere I touch it's trauma pain it's really challenging experience mm. and yes I'm aware that both possibilities possible most of the time women are somewhere in between some right. places feel pleasant some people some places not so pleasant and then they have a experience of both worlds they get oh through. my gosh <laughs> i just i'm like tuning into this i feel like i'm for sure supposed to do this with you like i and it's intriguing i'm kind of like smiling at the awareness because like i said you do so many different things and i thought like i mean let's keep it, I'll keep it real. I feel like I'm supposed to explore various things with you, but I wasn't so sure that this one would speak to me. But now that I'm like really hearing, I'm like, oh my gosh, like 
I can just imagine there's just so much healing so much possible yeah, healing because we massage our bodies we are so aware that it's needed like our shoulders hold tensions we go to a really good chiropractor or sports massage someone who can really relax it there well why not inside of us right our yoni has a lot to release because it's like our cervix is the most feminine side of us it holds so much potential for bliss and pleasure and it holds a lot of tra- traumas there everything that we really repress since our childhood that is connected to sexuality wow. is right in our cervix and it's really deep. So it's also this practice has to be taken responsibly because it can provoke yeah. some very deep traumas. I remember my one of my first ones, a cervix got touched. I was only beginning this path of awareness and I remember like strong projection into person massaging me like she hates me. She judges me right now. She just hates me. And I felt like so like scared. I just wanted to run, like save my life. And I remember how she was explaining to me patiently as I spoke to her, like, you're judging me. You just don't like me. I I need to go from here. And then as we were speaking and she was reassuring me, that's not the case. And Mm. it's normal that such feelings can come up. Mm. So see, as it has a lot of potential for deep store traumas to arise. And it definitely takes some wisdom from a practitioner also to discern that this is their thing coming through. And it's important to look at it from a place of awareness, not to look for someone externally, not to go in their thoughts like I have to strategize plan or it's this person or this person but actually to stay in their body and to understand wow something is arising in me okay interesting let's have a look maybe I just it feels like a lot of anger maybe I just want to rage so I want to encourage my clients to be able to explore and expose and scream and shout so I want to create safe space for rage to come out for tears it's not uncommon to release those first before you start experiencing orgasms yes because a lot of us have expectation also like this is one of the thing I like to warn my clients about yoni massage that it's not such a mechanical thing that I press here and you're orgasmic actually sometimes the first thing you experience is like rage yeah and once you really let your rage out like once you say things you couldn't say when you were little only then it starts Mm. to open up and become orgasmic oh child wow Mm. oh boy yeah i mean i'm just thinking Mm. for my own self like even just hearing you describe that i was feeling a wave of like an angry thing that I wanted to get out from my yoni to an ex, like just, ah. Yeah. And it's not only yours, it's actually collective feminine. But sometimes we just tap into something very collective where we felt as a group, as women, where we couldn't speak when we couldn't have our voice. So very often what we are releasing is also not just helping us, but actually serving all of us. Jeez. Mm. Oh my goodness. I feel goosebumps as I speak about it, as I feel very much very passionate and very in tune with this practice as I know we all need it as women we just really need it Mm -hmm. oh my goodness yeah I'm just letting myself and anyone listening just kind of yeah marinate in the energetics that have been opened up through the conversation so far because I mean I'm very present to them and they're very unique and they're very yeah, they're very here. And so, yeah. So divine. There's such divinity in them. And 
Oh, it's, it's such a needed time of this type of liberation. Oh my goodness. Hey fam, I hope you're enjoying today's lovely Ceremony Circle podcast voyage. This is just a quick note to remind you that Animal Power Book, my first book, is officially out in the world right now. It has been released. And even before it was released, it was being rated as the top new release on Amazon in both the shamanism and angel and spirit guide categories. I'm so thankful to all of you who have already purchased the book. But for those of you who haven't, Animal Power, 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul is now available anywhere books are sold. You can go to your independent bookstores, you can go to Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you please, and you can pick up a copy for yourself and your friends. Within the book, I share with you what power animals are, how to connect with power animals, why you want to, and there are 100 different power animal allies featured. Each has a full page of embodied, vibrant, colorful artwork done by the late William Santiago out of Brazil. And then there are energy messages and power practices that are rituals and ceremonies you can do to deepen your relationship with the animal. And there are also stories from other shamans and spiritual teachers from all around the world. They talk about an animal that changed their life. This is the project that I am most honored to co-create and to bring out into the world. It is powerful. This book is definitely a living, breathing medicine book. And I have been so enjoying all of your personal stories of what you've been experiencing with it since you have gotten it in your hands. So you can, again, go to anywhere books are sold or you can go to my website, alisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And when you order the book there, you also get a free video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum for you to meet your current power animal. All right, guys, back to the show. excited to explore some of this. I'm really wishing to create more of people like that who can do it because unfortunately I cannot receive this. <laughs> yeah. Unless I go to see my mentor who is far away. I have a couple of mentors and I have to fly far to see them. But I'm really hoping there will be more practitioners so more women can do it more younger women can also do it like why we have to wait till we are like already past 30s to just start discovering yes. this we want to learn it as teenagers so i feel like i will be at some point i'll be able to scale it and make it a bigger mission to educate more practitioners because mm. more women have to must have an opportunity to receive this education this knowledge this practice mm-hmm. Oh, thank yeah, thank you for your bravery and like it's now I love the flow of this conversation. It's so perfect to me because now is when I feel guided to go back into like how you even got into this because mm-hmm. yeah, to me the places you've leaned into feel really brave because before you started to do this work and maybe you still do these practices. I think I saw that you still do the free diving, but you um skydiving, base jumping, free diving like you were or still are in that world of like more extreme I don't know if you label all those extreme sports maybe they are but what led you to those practices and then how 
did you flow over into this world of sexuality and sensuality? Yes, I've been always a radical person, but I grew up in a radical environment where everything felt so wrong <laughs> for Soviet Russia. Like my school years were a really challenging place to be. And my first skydive, I was barely 16 when I did it, but I was just so depressed. I just needed something to really just shift something. Where were you when you did that one? Uh, in my hometown in Russia, southern Russia. And yeah, I just saw white parachutes in the sky in the midst of my despair. And I just felt connection like I want to do it. And my mom was against it. I already didn't care at this point. I just wanted to do it. And thank God they didn't have any legal restrictions for age in Russia. That's one thing that is great there that I was able to just go and jump. Mm. And that jump was really turned everything around like I was just bullied in school I didn't feel happy at home like my stepdad just hated me I was just a lot of things that just for meaningless I just didn't know why I live here everything feels wrong everything mm. like I don't feel love I don't feel connection I don't feel belonging mm. I'm not good with getting along with people my classmates were the one I was the one bullied the heaviest and I was just nothing that gave me a sense of meaning and and then I went skydiving. But how did it change? Like what did uh, it open? What understanding or Life and remember? death. Oh, okay. That was the key because I was standing on this airplane looking down and you know, first skydive, obviously you don't you're not so confident. <laughs> it's like a life and death experience, like controlled suicide kind of. You're just contemplating death, like right there, thinking everything can be over just now, like it can parachute doesn't open or something like and it's just all the instincts come to the surface, like, I want to, like, survive. And then this desire to leave, like, mm -hmm. no, I'm breathing. It's so beautiful around. And then, like, finally I jump and this three seconds, just time stops before I pull my parachute. It's just like there is no time. And I was asked to count time for three seconds and then open it. And then I was just, like, in the timeless zone. Mm -hmm. And I finally open and this white parachute right above me. And it's just such a sense of joy, like I'm just born again and like this inspiration to live my life and like landing, safely landing. I'm survived, didn't break anything. Like seeing those flowers, those leaves, the sky, like I just wanted to celebrate life. And I got this new wave of aliveness in me and like sense of presence and meaning and beauty. And yeah, somehow my extreme sports were my antidepressant. Like it would take me out of problems, had like an bring me to understanding that life is precious just every moment in simple things mm -hmm. instead of like thinking that everything wrong, no connection, not this, like relationships, money, like how we all get trapped in these loops of thinking failure, not working, I'm not doing it right, what's wrong with things, what's wrong with the world, but then when you do this jump, everything becomes simple, everything becomes calm, there is a sense of appreciation for simplicity of life and just for being alive like this very moment. So yeah, this is my path to extreme sports and of I have scars on my body. Oh, you do? What and is that huge uh, one? What's this that? was my landing in uh, California, vineyards of California. That's when I had my high speed canopy crashed into vineyards, broke my ribs, my cheekbone, my arm. So yeah, that sport really had some 
It took some toll on my body. Was that one during a skydiving yeah, sky accident dive. and it didn't open fully? Or? It opened, but I landed in vineyards okay. and high speeds crashed. Everything tumbled. It wow. was really fast, bad landing, plastic surgery on my face right after. Thank God I got health insurance at that time. Really important in this country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then it had its own ups and downs. It's not that I recommend everyone extreme sports as their antidepressants. No, there are many ways. You don't have to do it. But yet there is something in my nature that is very radical. Mm. I feel there's always this call of connection to life and death. Somehow like having death near me makes me feel alive fully, yeah. makes me feel present, grateful, makes me feel very clean and clear. Mm -hmm. So somehow I like this contemplation of death either through psychedelic experiences either through extreme sports um, becoming death doula was also one of my explorations of like end of life moments which I always felt like end of life has to be full of misery and it's horrible but no there is a lot beauty. of meaning and beauty there yeah. so I'm really like somehow drawn to this connection to death uh. because that brings life to living it brings life yeah to this moment because so easy just to live halfway dead mm -hmm. a lot of us live so trapped in our minds yeah. in our problems in our stress and our worries that we have no connection to life at yes. all so somehow death has the capacity and that's why It, I eventually got into Shibari because Shibari has that darkness there. Yeah. And that's why I even started that, hey, history of Shibari comes from a pretty radical and dark place. And yet if we use it consciously, we can actually use this fear of death, use this sense of risk, sense of threat and of shame, all these things we want to avoid. But if we bring them in this conscious container, they can actually infuse life with meaning. Oh my gosh. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's so much coming in. I'm like trying to track where to go next. So you just use the word shame and I want to explore that in a couple of avenues. So first, I think I want to understand how you got led, called, guided into what was your first step into having a profession in the world of sensuality, sexuality, being a dominatrix? Was that your first entry point? Yes. And how, how in the world <laughs> did that... I was similar to skydiving in a way, actually, because I was lost in meaning again, this time in America. And this time I fulfilled American dream very early. I was 23 years old when I got my MBA, when I was sitting in my office, when I was data analyst about to become financial analyst, where my career was growing and everyone was like, she's made it, especially girl from Soviet Russia, immigrant came here, 23 years old, have a car, apartment and office like world and career and finance like it was like she's made it but I felt so miserable mm. and again I was lost from meaning I would come to the office interactions were so superficial everyone felt so stressed out all the time everything was just meaningless and I felt like again I'm going in this rabbit hole of depression because I'm not sure like what's the point of all I was really working so hard to get right. here so early like my whole family just wanted this for me so badly like since my childhood everybody wanted me to succeed and I did this here I am successful person and then oh, I'm again trapped and stuck for a meaning yes and there was a point that I just couldn't be there I was like either quit or I just cannot stand myself anymore mm -hmm. so I finally 
And that was the point when I became a citizen in the United States and I felt like, okay, I've achieved enough. I want to save a bit of money. I want to go travel. And then I quit my office work. I recognized like I just can't do it. I can't be another day in this cubicle and nine to five working with numbers. It's not me at all. I. It's not my dream. American dream is not my mm-hmm. dream. I want something really different. I don't know what I want. And then I went to travel the world and that's when I went to Asia for the first time. And that's when I met finally a man who gave me a psychedelic plant. He gave me cactus, San Pedro, and we went dancing to a party. It wasn't like a ceremony. It was just a beautiful party, actually. It was a really great night. We were dancing and I remember how I felt so constricted in my dance, like deep shame, something is wrong with me, speaking of shame, just as I was dancing, feeling this plant medicine, like doing things in me, I just felt deeply ashamed of who I am. And then he comes to me, my friend who was with me, I see you dancing with a whip. And I felt, wow, what a funny trip he's having. Wow. No, I see you dancing, just take this whip in your hand and dance it. And I just decided, okay, let me just try to play his game. And I take the whip and I start dancing, like spinning this whip around me. This confidence goes in my body, like all of a sudden this post-Soviet shy Russian girl gets transformed into this powerful goddess who is the creator and destroyer of this world. And this whip, she can just create anything she wants. So it's like such a sense of power. And then we come back from the journey and I ask you, what was this about? You just saved my dance for the first time. I could dance with so much confidence and like, yes, I feel like that's your path. And this is what me and my wife do. She's a dominatrix and I'm her submissive and we have this lifestyle relationship. She's a professional. She can teach you this. And I approach his wife and that's how she started. We started, she sent me to a dungeon space in New York. It wasn't such a refined mentorship. It was just a direction like, hey, go to this dungeon and see what happens. And of course, I had a lot of doubts, like I'm a good girl. I don't want to hurt people. Mm. <laughs> no, I don't want to hurt anyone. I'm not like that at all. And then I still had more curiosity. No, but dancing with the whip, dancing with the whip. I want to dance with the whip. And I finally went to the dungeon and everything started. And I escaped my office world. I recognized I can sustain myself. So you myself. went from working in an office with numbers. What was your title for that job? Data analyst. Data analyst to being a dominatrix in dungeons in New York City. That is a hard pivot. And I'm so, I think it's so beautiful that the initial vision came in through a sacred plant medicine spirit. Like that is so, I had no idea. Oh my goodness. I just want to honor San Pedro. I've also had, had the honor of sitting with that plant spirit a number of times. I revere it so deeply and just want to give deep honor, gratitude, and thanks for the teachings and the wisdoms and the guidance of these plant spirits. You just, you never know. I mean, peyote played a huge role in Luke and I getting together. And I mean, I have countless stories and I just had no idea that San Pedro played a part in you pivoting into your true calling. Yes, I'm really grateful. I feel like psychedelic experiences have guided me a lot. Only recently I started to really come to more conscious circles. But even before that, even when I was just going to rave parties and just doing it with friends, even at that time, I felt a lot of guidance and wisdom there. Mm. Really, really grateful for that because it definitely showed me a lot what's possible. Like it's that's exactly what guides someone who's been in an office and cubicle to change it so radically because otherwise how do you know 
how do you know what's really possible? You, that's all you know. How do you know what, what else is there? And then just that vision, that dance, that imagination, that guidance, that freedom that you get to experience, like when you're so ashamed and constricted in yourself, thinking what's wrong with me, and then you have that whip in your hand and you just got us. Like, that's only really possible to take it so deeply through plants. Well, I'm sure it's possible without it if people are in more refined uh, kind of life situation. But for me at that time, mm-hmm. it was definitely needed, really grateful. And of course, it wasn't so easy after that. I was, my dominatrix didn't come so healthy right away initially. It was yeah, a that's lot what of... I was curious about. Because now, I mean, I mm-hmm. like we've been talking about, there's so much divinity and spiritual essences and shamanic medicine in our conversation and so embodied in you, but you've already said that it didn't start that way. So it started more, it had more like darker shadowy energetics to it. Yes. And the beginning I had no idea what I was doing and neither of my mentors wanted to make some money. So they were, they, it was really like, felt like uh, they were our pimps, yeah. but without having sex involved with clients. So dominatrix doesn't have sex with clients. A lot of people don't know this. We don't have like direct uh, sex with clients, like no, like no nudity, no penetration, no hands jobs, like nothing like this at all. And yeah, there is a lot of sexual sexuality there too. So it's just a different kind of sexuality. So the owners just didn't care for meaning for this. And we, I just started just mechanically, like just okay, this is the fantasy of my clients and this is me. How can I put these two together? Right. So I was exploring everything, which was really great fun at the beginning. And of course, and, and eventually I started again, question, meaning, okay, I can make my client happy by bringing their fantasy to reality. I can see how these people, like a lot of Wall Street kind of clients are coming to see us in dungeons those days, like during lunch break, just for an hour to also discharge their stress and play out some fantasy roles like to get some spanking, whipping, to cross-dress into women, like to have some really wild fantasy experience. And initially it was great providing them this. And then I, again, like, what's the point? Like, what are they ultimately looking for? Right. What are we trying to do here? Like, and initially I would want my clients to come see me more often. So I would always finish the session in a place where it's not fully realized so they can come back to me. So I could see how I'm trying to manipulate them into this addiction. Like mm-hmm. they see me more often, they come to me more often. I have more clients come. Wow. So How good of you to acknowledge yeah. and be honest that peace existed at that time. Yes. And I can see it basically in many industries. I mean, that's what doctors do a lot. Like they want us to come see them more. So they wouldn't want to cure us. They want to have us somehow like dependent mm. on this. And that's, I mean, I'm sure there are great doctors out there, but that's just yeah. general assumptions that it's just how things are in this consumerist world that we want to have this kind of addictive mm. behavior. And that was the same in dungeon world. Like that's how owners taught us. They benefit from clients coming right. to us. Like they wanted you not just attracting clients, but making them come to you again and again. And that means we create this addiction scenario where they just want more each time. So today they want just hand spanking. Tomorrow we use puddle and then like we use a whip and then we go for a single tail mm. whip. So then it becomes a bloody mess eventually. And then we all sit there like, wow, what am I, what are we doing here? 
what is the meaning for this? So yeah, initially it was not conscious at all. So I went through all shades of unconscious dominations. And that's one reason I'm really inspired now to teach women um, how to become dominatrix from a cleaner place. And that's what's left from my dominatrix career is my mentorship program for other women who want to just start this. Mm. And I want them to have a some resource to start it from a clean place so they don't have to go through all the yeah. do all the same mistakes and they don't have to be part of the same world where I was at the beginning so shadow work is really what inspires me because I came from a lot of shadows yeah my post-soviet Russian upbringing my like office worlds and then here in America like American dream felt like a lot of shadow mm -hmm. that is not explored and mm -hmm. then finally dungeons were obvious shadows yeah and now I feel like I'm in a place where I don't want to just completely say okay it's cut 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 I don't want any of this at all but instead I feel like we it's there it's part of it's life it's healthily integrated now yeah, we want to actually be able to help people who are in this place yeah. to actually bring light there. So we're not just want to like completely dismiss it as a failed part of this life. Like as people who work in cubicles are failures, we just don't want them. Or people in a dungeon are just not aware, not spiritual, not conscious, and I just don't want them. Instead, I feel like it's part of life and we don't want to just like dismiss it. We just don't want to deny that it exists. Instead, I feel like having more awareness, more knowledge, more like guidance to bring mm. more that, hey, like I know right now, this is the only way you can do it, but there is more to it. How about you try this? How about you try this? And then you bring more meaning into this experience. So I'm very inspired to show those who actually want to start embarking on a world of BDSM or who've been practicing either as clients or as facilitators mm -hmm. to actually how to make the experience deeper and meaningful because I've been there yeah. and I work and I walk the hardest way. Like I did every possible mistake. I went through the darkest, darkest shadows of the darkest dungeons and that's also what helps me to feel more meaningful about my journey that yes I've been through those dark places yes my life wasn't always easy wasn't always full of spirituality and light but yet I can use my path as a way to guide others mm -hmm. so they don't have to be trapped in the same mistakes for so long. I knew you're an embodied teacher. I just did not realize <laughs> the depths of the embodiment. And so is this another, this orb might be the last main one. And I mean, I hope I can have you back on the show to just keep exploring and, and learning about all of these pieces. But where I'm feeling a bit pulled into now is so first, can you, what is BDSM? Bondage, discipline, sadism, masochism. Okay. And so is that different than being a dominatrix or the, those two go together? Yeah, dominatrix is the female practitioner Okay, of that. That's the one who is on top and who is dominating others. Okay. And so do you still do dominatrix work? And I guess you just said that it is something that you, at times when you're called, you do mentor others. Yeah, I do mentoring uh -huh. and uh, my dominatrix shifted into Shibari. Now I'm okay. Shibari guide. So I feel like that path is complete and it just been transformed into this more refined form. Got so it's it. A, it's, it has a lot of similarity. I still have my favorite flogger, for example. It's a beautiful designer flogger, creates amazing <laughs> sensation in your bumps. So it's not the kind of torture flogger. It's more 
sensation play kind of flogger and I like to use it. So it's just a different container. It's a different set and setting, different, yeah. just a different type of clientele. So it's just different. Yes. Yes. I see the evolution with that. And then, so my other question, because I put on my notes here, I think I found this on your website or one of your posts or something, power exchange explorations. And I think there was just something, if you could just explain a little bit about that, does this entail, like say there's a couple who wants to work with you, do you do this? Do you help guide and work with a couple who wants to explore power exchanges? Like what does that even mean? What's an example of how that can look like? Do you help people start to learn and understand what do power exchanges really mean? Because power exchanges also, as I describe what I do from the beginning, it's very much about holding container and surrendering. So it's a very refined form of power exchange. Um, a lot of us don't understand that power exchange is not just something very gross, superficial. I just tell you what to do and you just have to do it. I like to educate people on how to um, take it to a more refined place uh, where one person is holding space and the other one is surrendering. And it's actually incredible possibility for a deeper journey for both parts, especially if in life we're used to different roles. Yeah. So husband and wife, for example, he's been like a very classic alpha male kind of husband, you know, breadwinner, tells wife what to do. She's sweet and soft and compliant. It's very beneficial to switch the dynamic and for her to experiment what it feels like when she's the one in power. So I really love to guide couples into these experiences because it brings more depth to their relationships, brings more possibilities, brings more richness. Yeah. So it's not just one role where you're just so habituated and you just feel this role really well. You're taken to a different role and it's really beneficial for someone who's controlling a lot, been in power a lot. All of a sudden he comes home and then his wife is like, dominatrix now and then she's finally taking the whip and she's the goddess she's finally there to do whatever she wants with him and he's there to completely surrender goddess i'm all yours just do anything that's so empowering for both of them yes for both because i mean i'm not saying this applies 100 percent of the yeah. time but i think for a lot of the situations with the male they might not even understand until they're immersed in that experience, like how much on a mind, body, spirit, soul level they needed to just let go for once. Like yeah. they've all been in that like tighter, more constricted, controlling, like has to be this over here at this time, like that way of living and to finally like let go into a more freedom space. I can only imagine how yes. liberating that must be. And that's be. why a lot of men are looking for dominatrix in the shadows of the dungeon because at home they feel uncomfortable. They feel mm. like they will be humiliated for even expressing such desire uh -huh. and they just don't feel like it's acceptable. So they have to go in those shadows of those dungeons in New York where I used to work to look for the experience of surrender and it's not always coming from a good place. And why don't we do this at home? Isn't it great for a couple to connect in such level and I feel like more couples now are open to those yeah. power exchange experience and then they can even switch in one night and like how amazing it is when like one hour one person is dominating the, the other one is surrendering and then whoop, and then we switch mm. and, and so you do when you feel called and it's the right 
couple you mm-hmm. do feel open to helping to oh, guide. I love it, love it, love it because as I said, I went through so many mistakes and I've done it in the wrong ways. So I can really educate people on how to do it. So it's really mm. like um, infuses their relationship with like freshness and okay. beauty. Okay, so two more questions are coming in. And thanks for your patience because I, like I said in the beginning, I've never, no. I've not been this excited and I, there was a lot for me to learn. So can you tell me what kink is? What is that? What is kink? Yeah, the kink is by like definition of kink comes from the word kinky, which is bent and twisted. And it's been used more for something that is not like everything straight and something is kinky, something is twisted. So then kink so is... So outside of the mold, outside yeah, of the norm. Outside of the norm. It's something that is just twisted somehow in a different way. And then in sexuality, it's exactly the same. If our sexuality is not normal, which normal is considered like the most common and traditional like desire for penetration, like being as a woman being penetrated by a man, like for procreation, that's norm considered. And then everything outside of it is kinky. Okay. And yet every person decides also for themselves what's kinky because right. it's really what's on your mind that's kinky, right? Because it's like being spanked in bedroom for someone, it's just a part of normal sex. And right. for other person, it's something kinky. So we all have our definitions. It's not exactly different fine it's just for whatever is for you that is actually kinky that's kinky okay can you give a couple other just examples of what something kinky might be you said spanking but what are are a couple others yeah it can be a sensation play for some people just having like hot walks in their body can be considered kinky or for men to change into a woman in bedroom and actually play more feminine role strap-ons actually can be like a big taboo for some people but for others it's also pretty normal but generally it's considered pretty kinky if man wants to be penetrated by a woman Uh with a strap on so that can be something kinky or any kind of pain uh, pleasure experiencing role-playing like just trying to play out different roles okay yeah that can be kinky uh, different like nipple torture cock and ball torture face slapping hair pulling scratching biting all kinds of different sensations that invoke sense of erotic pain and humiliation also name calling dirty talk during bedroom time so man it's so much to explore to see like what yeah, like what's triggering, what it turns you off and makes you angry, what you love that you never guessed you would have loved. There's so much. Exactly. Isn't so it amazing just to take it into your like curious container and yeah. just say, huh, how about we try this? And usually if you have curiosity, excitement, or if you feel fear and some like irritation or something coming up, that can be the thing for you. Uh, Only if you're bored when you hear it, that's not for you. Mm, Only if it's just, eh, it's nothing, right. but it's not for you. If you have some kind of inner response, response about certain topic, then there is something interesting. For oh you. my God. I love all this so much. And then I think, I mean, my last question for now, I could talk to you for days or months on end. So I am so curious, Luke and I have been chatting about this recently. And yesterday when I was preparing for the interview, I was like, she's a perfect person to ask. So I'm confused. <sighs> okay. So fantasies, let's enter into the world of fantasy. I'm trying to figure, I've never put this into words. So I'm trying to find the words for how to ask this question. So if someone has a fantasy, like let's say when they're self-pleasuring, this fantasy, this particular scenario comes in a lot when you're self-pleasuring. And so I guess it would be labeled a fantasy, but you're pretty clear that what you see in your mind when you're self-pleasuring is not something that you would actually ever really want to do in real life. 
then why, why is it called a fantasy if you don't actually mm. really want to do it? I get confused with that. Yes, you treat it as symbolism, so you don't have to do it so literally. You have certain fantasy, like a lot of women have rape fantasy. Obviously, we don't want to be raped, but often we are, and women are ashamed. And luckily, I, a lot of women were open enough to share it with me because I'm, it's my profession to understand people's fantasies. And I had a lot of women who approached me saying, like, I have this rape fantasy. My guy is so nice, so sweet, does it all the thing. But I have that fantasy of someone ravishing the hell out of me, not asking any questions, just doing it all for his, like, pleasure. And he, I'm just being used and objectified. Oh, it's so sexy. And then their mind says, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I shouldn't fantasize this. So yeah, that's an example where you don't want to have it literally happening to you. And yet it just keeps coming back. So what to do? So you, you just treat it as a symbolic direction. So you try to see what does it really mean? What is it pointing? What do I really want? And then if you start digging deep enough, you see, well, I really want to surrender to that dark masculine. I just want to be taken. I want to surrender so deeply that he, I just know that he can do just anything. If he chooses to kill me, I'm all his. So this kind of deep experience of surrender. And then when this is ultimately what you're looking for, then you can create a scenario with someone that you trust in a safe place and the right set and setting, right timing. And then you just play out your scenario without actually making it about literally being raped. Okay. So there's this, that huge, again, that theme that's kind of been coming in in our conversation. There's that whole back end area to look into, to explore for deeper understanding, healing, awareness. It's like, because yeah, I think that's the missing piece where it was leaving me with the question mark. It's, okay, I have this scenario, I have this vision of the fantasy and then getting more behind what is fueling that, what is really behind this particular vision. Okay, so it's doing deeper work, deeper exploration to understand. Yeah, like we have dreams and they often don't make sense. They're right. so strange, but there are people who actually do dream work and they help you understand and analyze. And I have one therapist who actually works with my dreams. So sometimes I like to, like, if I have some really wild dream, I connect with her and like, it doesn't have to be wild. Something that touches me, but I don't know what it means. Right. Connect with her and we start decoding every symbol little by little. And then, aha, there is a whole scenario. Wow, I can see my God, my unconscious mind is mm. so wise. Yes. It really shows me something that is so important to me. Yes. So similar with fantasies, um, there are ways to analyze your fantasy and understand what the symbols yes. are pointing you towards. And then you are grateful to yourself because your fantasies are not a waste. It's really important. It's a signal from your unconscious mind that you're longing for something right. and you've got to listen to it. So you don't want to go into extreme of shaming yourself yes. or having fantasy and the other extreme of just blindly making them into reality. No, you have to be right in the middle, bring mm. awareness, bring better understanding and then you it starts to make sense. And sometimes it's not even about sexuality in your life. Right. Like it might be something entirely different or sometimes it actually has connection to your sexuality and you want to play out it in a certain way in a certain extent. So. Oh my gosh. I think that's why I put don't shame the shadow and like, and I wanted to go into this portal of exploring shame. And like you just said, like, yeah, not shaming the fantasy because yeah, there's so much in there. Oh my gosh. Like, ah, I was so many under other things 
ah, like I'm so torn because I put down here too erotic humiliation. And my question mm. is, how does that positively serve? Like that one was another big question mark mm. for me. Like if you're humiliating someone and specifically in that erotic sexual state, you're humiliating them. How is that sacred and how does that mm. positively serve? Right. There are many ways to answer it, but I feel now called to share one of my personal examples of my fantasy, just my vulnerable moments, because I had this strong fantasy like of having some dirty, humiliating words from my man in bedroom in conjunction with good words. So meaning like I, I was actually specifically even asking him while I was, I was all blushing and feeling so scared. Like, okay, can you just, I, I, like, I know that you like to say sweet things and like that I'm the most beautiful woman on earth, like during lovemaking. And it feels so great. And I just want you to play a bit with that age and sometimes tell me you're a filthy slut. And then again, you're the most precious thing on earth. And then again, you're the filthiest slut in the universe. Something like mm-hmm. really bad mm-hmm. and then something really good and something. And I go from one to the other, from one to another. And he did it really beautifully. Mm. And it was such a magnificent experience. First of all, I was insanely vulnerable because my mind was confused. What's going on? He just said this thing and now he says this thing and then my body was turned on like crazy and I'm even more confused yeah. and even more ashamed of myself what was good on I'm liking this thing and then it was like going from one to another and at some point my mind completely gave up and everything he was saying to me was just an act of attention mm. act of energy mm. and everything was one it just didn't matter if I'm mm. the most precious thing in the universe or I'm a filthy slut it was just exactly the same so it was like a sense of total like dissolution of that do Yes. It was just one love and it doesn't matter this or this. On. And that brings a lot of wisdom in like this kind of classic dysfunctional relationship dynamics where people one day, they, you're the most precious thing on earth. or like, I hate you, get out of my life. And then you can see that it's just the uh, same energy. Yes. And that brings a, a lot of unity to your experience. It huh. just really like makes everything really subside and land mm. and like into oneness. God, you know what, what's it pulling in for me? And I'm not sure why. And let me know what comes up for you. But the Madonna whore kind of that, mm-hmm. that mix. And I've heard from some people like it's tough for them to reconcile because like they revere, like they've married this woman who's like such a goddess and like such a priestess. And they like have such respect and reverence for their wife. But yet like there's this other part that she wants to be seen as like that, both that example that you gave, it's like, tell me I'm the sweetest angel, but also tell me I'm a, I'm a filthy slut. And like, yeah, just that reconciling and that balance of like that their wife, their woman can be both. And somehow like in you explaining that it dissolved just into, it's like all the same feels so healthy so that the male doesn't get so confused and tripped up on like, wait, I'm viewing you as Madonna, but you want to be treated more as a whore. And that feels like hard or confusing. I don't know. Is there yes. anything coming up for yes. you? Yes. It's really interesting how you brought this idea of Madonna and how often we are stuck in this duality of 
not being able to reconcile love and hate and good and evil. And one of the researchers on sexuality, Jack Marina, really love his books and really inspired my work a lot in understanding the meaning behind certain fantasies and certain fetishes and inclination. And he said uh, in his book that he found, like, because he's been uh, he's been a sex therapist for like many many years, had a lot of subjects, and he studied with all kinds of troublesome turn on and different like confusion around sexuality and he came to a conclusion that our sexual impulse which drives our desires and turns ons and fantasies is actually there to bridge worlds together mm. and that's why we are so often attracted to things that are forbidden things that are wrong things which we shouldn't be attracted so as mm. soon as there is a, some kind of prohibition we are attracted to it instantly and that's why you can see all the places where sexuality is repressed that's when we have the the most fantasies happening like that's when people really want to break it and i know it on myself as soon as i'm told something is not allowed sexually this is exactly what i want and i cannot help it it's not that i decide to want it it's just somehow i get turned on as soon as there is some kind of mm. something is considered to be bad wrong prohibited so it's really interesting how we can actually use it to bring bring those pieces together like yes. when you're trying to be good girl so much you try so hard and then the fantasy comes i want to be a prostitute i want to be bought i want to have someone pay for sex oh my god and then your mind is like no i'm a good girl i don't want that so then in our sexuality is there to bring those pieces together which makes it so magnificent how this energy is there that wants to bridge the opposites yes. so if you treat this energy as an opportunity to bridge the opposite pieces together and bring them to unity then everything starts to make sense like why we want pain why we want humiliation why we have those rape prostitute fantasy why all those fantasies that are like geared towards the opposite direction where we consciously want to go well, right. because we don't want to leave the shadow behind we want to have all of this together we want to have a sense that there are no limits no like boundaries no separation between all of us yes. and that's why there are this all these fantasies are these messengers that we separated some pieces of ourselves that we want to be only good girls. We don't want to be sluts. And then there will be a fantasy about being a slut. Oh my gosh. I love mm. This is just my gosh. You all, if you're enjoying this as much as mm. me, send me a DM or something and like, mm. let me know. And maybe Rena can just be like an every other month guest. And we just like keep understanding this stuff and keep learning more and more. I would love to have you on some other time. Are you open to that? Yes. Okay, good. I'm like, please, um, because there's so much. I feel like your audience is amazing based on the way we talk about it, because I feel like they can understand this. And for yes. me, it's always a pleasure to talk about those things with those who can really appreciate and understand it. Because for me, it's been a long path to also come here because I started to understand those things way earlier and then I felt really alone in this understanding like people cannot relate they just want it differently I didn't feel completely understood so mm. now I'm also feeling just as excited as you are because I feel already that this is understood this is appreciated this is needed mm -hmm. oh yes to yes. all of that yeah like I so appreciate and respect who you are and all the worlds you've let yourself dive into. Mm. Like I really see you and I honor your courage. Thank you, sister. Mm. <sighs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. mm. Thank you so much. 
And we've covered so much ground and you've given so much wisdom and energy. I'll let it be up to you if you want to close the ceremony and guiding a brief practice or if you feel complete. I feel I can do a little brief blending. Great. That's which cool. will help to all these things that you brought up. <laughs> Opened up. To, like to kind of let it sink in. And the landing that I'm offering is comes from the beginning of my journeys that I'm offering. So the beginning of it is all about just coming into our bodies, into a state of vulnerability and surrender. And this is a very short and easy one. This is something that I recommend all of us to do it in one way or the other to ourselves on a daily basis because it's so easy to get excited and go into exploring the world, but it's important to do it from a place of landing into ourselves, into connection to our body, to our spirit, to our soul. And this is where I like to have our beginning <laughs> towards the end. Mm, perfect. <laughs> so let's just close our eyes for a moment. And closing our eyes allows us to tune out from the world and... Tune into ourself and just notice how your breath is going. Notice if it's smooth, if you're holding it. And allow it to be as free as possible, like breathing with your whole body, even exhaling a couple of times with your mouth. With every exhale, letting it all go letting it all away and next exhale allowing anything that happened before this very moment all the story of your past let it go outside of this room outside of this room outside of this room can wait And next, exhale any expectations about future, about what's next, about plans and ideas. Let it wait as well, putting it outside of this room, outside of this room. And then next exhalation, your thinking mind, your logic, rationalizing, analyzing. We don't need this right now. Let's send it on holiday. For a brief few minutes, outside of this room, outside, outside. And now notice what's left here and now. Just notice your senses, the sounds around, things you can hear. Notice, maybe you can smell something. Notice the temperature of the room, the air that goes through your nostrils, how it inflates your belly, your chest, how it goes out. Allow yourself to really slow down so you can perceive this. Notice sensations on your skin, the temperature of the room, the clothes you wear. Maybe you can relax your body a bit more. Notice if you can adjust yourself so you're really comfortable and relaxed. 
And noticing this, the chair or whatever surface you're sitting on is really holding you, so there is no need to hold yourself together or control anything. You are safe. You can relax even deeper now. Relaxing muscles of your face, around your eyes, your jaws. Relaxing your shoulders. Following down your arms, your hands, relaxing your fingers. Relaxing your back, your chest, allowing your belly to be very relaxed. Relaxing your pelvic floor, your thighs, your hips, and following your legs all the way down to your toes. And noticing how it feels inside your body now. Allowing anything and everything to be there as it is. Any emotions, any tension, any excitement, relaxation. All is welcome. You can only relax a bit deeper, a bit deeper. There's always more that you can relax, so just follow your body and notice what else you can relax just a bit more while allowing anything and everything to pass through your body, being the awareness behind it all. Being aware of your breath, being aware of your sensations. No need to perform or impress anyone, no need to be a certain way. Very simple, just being aware and relaxing even deeper even deeper, even deeper. And noticing this space within yourself, open, spacious, and your body is like a house with no walls, no ceiling, no roof, no windows, no doors. It's an open space and it expands into every direction you don't even know where you end and external world begins as your awareness is everywhere and it's not your awareness it's just an awareness there is no distance between you and this awareness and notice how it feels to bathe in this awareness Notice how any sensations and thoughts are passing through like clouds in the sky. And you're just here. You're aware of everything that passes through. And yet you are totally open, spacious, infinite. And notice how everything starts to land exactly where it needs to be. 
Notice how your body relaxes even deeper as it loves to marinate in that space of openness, spaciousness, infinite. Just spend a little more time in this timeless and notice the beauty of having time and the timeless dimension at the same time. And if there is any desire not to feel something or to feel something that's not there, just be aware of that too. Because everything that passes through your awareness is not you. So allow to be aware of that and let it pass. And just observe everything that's there. Any sensations, feelings, thoughts. This is how we become friendly with our inner world. This is how we relax our nervous system, bringing ourselves to center. This is how we connect to our intuition. This is how we bring ourselves home, no matter where we are. In this awareness, we're always home. And this awareness is always there. And as we start slowly coming back to the world of shapes and forms and interactions, just notice that you still can hold one of your feet in this world of infinite, while the other one can dive into all the beauty of all the worldly experiences. You can have them both the same time, functioning in unison. So we can stay home and safe within ourselves while exploring all kinds of experiences of this world. This way we are not overwhelmed by experiences as we know that our home is always with us. And within ourselves, we are always whole, always home, always safe, always at peace. And slowly starting to come back as we feel our body of a physical vehicle of this world. Maybe moving a bit to your fingers, toes. Maybe stretching ourselves a bit before opening our eyes. <sighs> Making sound that feels right. And coming back to open our eyes and greet the world with this freshness. Mm. Mm. I'm like a, 
I felt like <laughs> I felt like my voice would be like this. I was like <laughs> turned into like this chrysalis like blob. It was so nice. I was just like totally I I was like a complete blob of nothingness. Yes. Isn't it nice to become nothingness from time to time? So good. Just giving ourselves like this five minute break throughout the day. Just land everything land. And then start from afresh. Yeah, so good. Yes. You held such beautiful space in there. Like, yeah, layer by layer, I just got like blobbier and blobbier until I literally saw myself as just like, I almost felt like that character in Ghostbusters, the green, like, I don't know, I forget the green fella's name, but um, yeah, anyways, it was a great visual and a great feeling. So thank you for that practice. Mm, and it's like, as I give it, I receive it. So I also feel <laughs> after all this exciting conversations, mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person who gets excited about mm -hmm. everything. And then I get overwhelmed because I have too much, too much, <gasps> right. so much going on. My nervous system cannot handle it. Yeah. And then I really need to land, 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 land. And then, okay. Uh -huh. I'm home, so it's like this beautiful balance of everything and nothingness. Mm. Everything and nothingness. Just perfect <sighs> ending for this everything and nothingness long conversation that we just had. Wow. I, how do I feel? Hmm. I feel so meant to meet you. I feel so excited to explore. I know you're traveling a lot, but whenever you're back in town and your calendar opens up, I'm just intrigued to learn more about how to potentially work with you for others listening who also are feeling that intrigue and guidance to reach out to you. How should they reach out to you? Yeah, well, very easy uh, to remember the name of my website, vulnerabilitycoaching.com. And you can read a lot about my offerings there as I have educational offerings and one-on-one -on -one sessions. I also have this beautiful online course, which is called Underline World. Underline I went to that. World. I went to that. So beautiful. The videos in there. I was like reading about all the modules. Mm. It feels like an incredible course. Yeah, that basically sums up my domination experience of decades and puts the meaning into everything that can be perceived as dark and shameful mm. and the therapeutic value of that as I also took uh, courses on trauma and somatics so I can see how you can use those practices to release trauma and become more whole. So I'm viewing BDSM through the lens of holistic experience and spirituality. So this mm -hmm. course, I find it to be magnificent. We have a new group already slowly <laughs> taking, <laughs> taking form. So we start the beginning of July next one. So if just if you feel called to exploring BDSM for, through such lens, you can check it out as well. Well, I love to share the wisdom of this year since I like that I brought it together to this course as we filmed it in Thailand, we filmed mm. it in Bali, we filmed it in New York City. Wow. So it has best of all the worlds out there, the bamboo forests of Thailand and like dark dungeons of New York City all in one course. Wow, <laughs> that is so incredible. I didn't realize it was like shot in all of those different essences and locations. That is incredible because I, I have filmed some courses myself and they're a lot of work, but so I can't even imagine like 
yeah, securing different locations to bring it all together. I can feel, yeah, the impact that 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 can have. So, oh my goodness. Thank you, Rena. Thank you. Thank you. you. So I love the conversation. I'm feeling very inspired by it. Me too. Mm. I learned so much and it was just what my heart and soul needed to learn for so many different reasons that I don't have the time or energy right now to get into, but it's like aligning with you is coming at such a such a powerful time in my life. And so, yeah, I look forward to the pathway forward and to the soul fam who weaved and co-created and sat around the fire with us today in this incredible conversation. Thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sticking with us. Ah, and we will sit with you again next time. Mm. Woo! What a beautiful, powerful voyage that was. It truly brings me so much joy and activates and lights me up to be able to sit with these incredible teachers, leaders, and masters from all over the world. So to learn more about them, just head to my website where all of the show notes and their details are listed. That's alisoncharles.com, A-L-Y-S-O-N-C-H-A-R-L-E-S.com. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle Podcast so unique is that at the end of every single episode, you're able to immerse in a potent guided ritual practice or ceremony for your empowerment. So please feel free to make note of the practices that you really resonate with, the ones that really light up your soul and come back to those episodes anytime, any day. You can use them as your daily practices. And I recommend starting your day with one of them at your altar space. Ah, it's been an honor voyaging with you today, and I would so truly appreciate if you'd open your heart to take a quick few seconds to drop a review on Apple, sharing what you love most or appreciate most about Ceremony Circle Podcast. Receiving those reviews is so helpful and allows us to continue to share this valuable content. And don't forget, if you haven't already gotten your copy of my new best-selling book, Animal Power, you can do so anywhere books are sold, or I most recommend going to my website. Again, that's allisoncharles.com backslash animal power, because when you purchase for you and your friends there, you get a free video guided shamanic journey to meet your current power animal that I facilitate. Animal Power Book is a modern day compendium featuring 100 different power animals, what each animal represents, their wisdom messages for you, guided practices, and stories from all over the world. I personally put the book up to my heart each morning at my altar, and I ask which animal most wants to work with me that day. And then I simply close my eyes and flip the book open to the page I'm guided. And let me tell you, I have been deeply moved to tears on many occasions, and I can't wait for you to experience it as well. I worked on this book for many, many years, and it's now my greatest honor to have it available for you. So anytime animals reveal themselves for you, you can just head to Animal Power Book and see what that animal is trying to get your attention for. All right, Soul Fam, let's unite again in our next episode coming out next week so we can sit together and continue to activate greater consciousness energies for everyone. Much love.
This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.